Welcome to the First United Methodist Church. We hope our sermon broadcast will bless you. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 11. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been in Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in and saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. During the season of Lent, leading up to this moment, we have been asking ourselves if we're looking for love in all the wrong places. If we are giving our attention to the things that do not really sustain our lives and add love to this world, this day is the culminating message from the gospel. In the end, or is it in the beginning, we find out that love always wins. All things of this world pale in comparison to what resurrection looks like in our lives. Newfound meaning, purpose, attention, wholeheartedness, well-being, peace. These are the things that matter, the things the teacher shows us. And no matter how many wrong places we've looked for love, the graves give way to the light of a new day as we learn to love as Christ loves us. Would you pray with me? Holy and merciful one, in this season of Lent, we have come bringing our deepest longings and our failed attempts at satisfying them. We have often looked for love, acceptance, and security in ways that do not give us life. But as we come this Easter morning, you appear to us and ask, why are you weeping? For I am here. Love is here. You ask us to rise with you. We open our hearts, our minds, our souls, our vision to the ways of love created by God, embodied in Jesus, and already moving in us by the Spirit. We are forgiven, loved, and freed. Alleluia. Amen. Please follow along behind me. Thank God because God is good, because God's love never quits. Tell the world, people, God's love never quits. God's love never quits. I was right on the cliff edge, ready to fall, when God grabbed and held me. God's my strength. God is also my song. 
and now God is my salvation. Tell the world God's love never quits. God's love never quits. Do you hear the shouts? Hear the triumph songs in the camp of the saved? The hand of God has turned the tide. The hand of God is raised in victory. The hand of God has turned the tide. Tell the world, people, God's love never quits. God's love never quits. We didn't die. We lived. And now we are telling the world what God did. God tested me, pushed me hard, but didn't hand me over to death. Swing wide the city gates, the righteous gates. I'll walk right through and thank God. Tell the world, people, God's love never quits. God's love never quits. Thank you for responding to us. You've truly become our salvation. The stone the Masons discarded as flawed is now the capstone. This is God's work. We rub our eyes. We can hardly believe it. This is the very day God acted. Let's celebrate and be festive. Salvation now, God, salvation now. Oh, yes, God, a free and full life. Tell the world, people, God's love never quits. God's love never quits. So we take up where we left off in John 20, verses 11 through 18. With Mary standing, weeping outside the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where he's gone. Jesus said, Woman, why are you weeping? Sir, if you've carried him away. And Jesus calls her name, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The Christian scriptures offer many images of where love and grace and forgiveness and righteousness and healing can really be found. And it is not in the usual places. Isn't it as true of us today as it was of the scriptural authors? Don't we often look for wholeness and happiness in places that offer only temporary good feelings and satisfaction? Lent has been a wonderfully reflective time to reassess where we are in searching for meaning and purpose. We have moved through stories of Jesus to find out who offers the real deal. 
Lent began on Ash Wednesday, although the weather didn't permit having a service. The texts that night were Joel 2, 1 and 2, and 12 through 17. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting. Rend your hearts, not your clothing. And then we hear Jesus speak in Matthew. Whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites. But when you fast, oil your heads and wash your face. Ash Wednesday is a marker of the beginning of a journey of self-reflection and discernment originating in the 11th century church. The journey of repentance is about turning around the origin of the word so that we might be in right relationship with God. In a sense, we were looking for love once again. When we look to God for love, not simply for the approval of others and start with our own turning, we participate in the turning around of the world. The first Sunday in Lent, looked, we looked for the resistor, and we found him in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Jesus was lifted up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil three times. But in each case, Jesus resisted the tempter. Offered bread by the tempter following 40 days and nights of fasting, Jesus said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The tempter then took Jesus to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus said to him, again, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Then the tempter took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the devil left him. The point of the story of the temptation of Jesus was recognizing the futility of looking for love in things that only provide temporary satisfaction, in seeking empty highs and tempting fate and in mindless adoration. As Jesus demonstrates, it is in our resistance to evil that we find true communion with God. Resistance to evil starts with our own confession of complicit acts that move us further away from love. Our groaning can turn to glad cries of deliverance as we choose good over evil time after time, even and especially if it isn't the popular thing to do. The second Sunday of Lent, we looked for the helper. We heard the words of the 121st Psalm proclaiming, My help comes from the Lord. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time on and forevermore. And then from John 3, we heard some of the most beloved words of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Too often, we believe that we must deserve the love we receive, 
We work, work, work to get approval and to feel like our life is justified, pulling our own weight, thinking that whatever life we create and love we get is only what we ourselves can conjure up. But the scriptures offer the image of God as our keeper, always helping, always present. It's not all up to simply doing the right thing. It's about allowing the spirit to help birth love in our lives. Then the third Sunday of Lent, we looked for the thirst quencher. The scripture from John 4 told the story of Jesus' encounter with a woman of Samaria. The Samaritan woman at the well found out that the water she came for was not really the water she needed so desperately. This woman had looked for love in many places and many faces, And when finally offered a soul-quenching love by Jesus, she became a powerful messenger of good news. Just as the water given by God that flowed in the desert for the Israelites offered new life, so the desert places of our lives can be refreshed if we look for love regularly at the well of living water and offer life-giving water to others. The fourth Sunday of Lent, we looked for the shepherd We read the 23rd Psalm and remembered that the Lord is our shepherd, so we shall not want, because the shepherd prepares a table for us, even in the presence of our enemies. That was followed by the story of Jesus healing a man born blind. Some of the Pharisees said Jesus could not come from God because he did not observe the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? The point here was that too often we look for security and love in powerful figures, sure that they can fix things for us. It was no different for the people of the First and Second Testaments. They were looking for kings, saviors, liberators, who would offer peace and security in uncertain times. And they often looked, you guessed, in all the wrong places. The Pharisees just can't believe this troublemaker, rule-breaker named Jesus is the one, the Son of God and Savior. Time and again, Jesus uses the metaphor of a shepherd to teach us how we ought to love and care for one another. No wonder the shepherd does what is needed, when it is needed, regardless of the rules. And then in the fifth week of Lent, we heard the words from Psalm 130. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is steadfast love, and with him is great power to redeem. The reading from John 11, 1 through 45, which I won't read, was about the resurrection of Lazarus, who had been dead four days before Jesus raised him back to life, saying... I am the resurrection and I am the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet shall they live. And then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Sometimes the things we think offer love actually seek to bind us preventing us from being full and whole and offering our best love to the world. The story of Lazarus, whose funeral shrouds trail him out of the tomb, offers us a metaphor of new life as we recognize that true love is that which unbinds us, 
that wants more love, freedom, and life for us, not less. Jesus says to us, come out, walk, live, love, shed your funeral clothes and offer your deepest self, your deepest love for the world. Of course, this kind of love can admittedly be dangerous, as we will see as the events of Holy Week loom larger and closer. But the price of continuing to look for love in the wrong places is higher than the blessing of life lived boldly. And then last Sunday, we were encouraged to look for the unexpected. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And when they came near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me, and if anyone says anything to you, just say, The Lord needs them. Now the disciples must have been excited and terrified all at once. The entrance into Jerusalem for Passover week had turned into a big deal. How would Jesus be received by the people, by the authorities? And an entrance can define a perception. Surely they would make as big a splash of confidence as possible. And then Jesus asked for a donkey. Once again, Jesus demonstrates a love for peace and a love for common people by creating an entrance that proclaimed the power of God's kingdom of heaven, not Herod's kingdom of oppression. Looking for love? Keep your eyes out, for it is in unexpected places. And then, Holy Week. Love looks for us. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I give you a new commandment, he said, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Holy Week is a progression of events that turn the concept of love on its head. Brokenness is shown to be a part and parcel of what it is to love deeply. The culminating irony of our love story with the holy is that we are not the ones who need to look for love because love comes looking for us, especially in our brokenness and sorrow. Love is here. Already and always, this is the source of our ability to love one another. And now today, Easter, where love wins, where love always wins. The reading from Jeremiah earlier in the season said this, At that time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they shall be my people Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness when Israel sought for rest. The Lord appeared to him from far away. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. And then we come to the tomb. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? 
Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her one word, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Again, in the end, is it the end? Or is it the beginning when love wins? All things of this world pale in comparison to what resurrection can look like in our lives. Newfound meaning, purpose, attention, wholeheartedness, well-being, peace. These are the things that matter. The things the teacher shows us. And no matter how many wrong places we've looked for love, the graves give way to the light of a new day as we learn to love as Christ loves us. Christus resurrects it. This entire series has been a riff on Johnny Lee's country classic, Looking for Love. Each Sunday has been a long look at all the wrong places we might look for love. Power, certainty, status, money, approval, control, fame, things are all false paths. We take in our search for something much deeper, much more mysterious called love. And while love is deep and mysterious, it is so fundamentally ingrained into who we are and also so fundamentally a part of who God is that it is everywhere if we have eyes to see. The Easter message is the main message of this entire series that there are so many false paths toward looking for love that actually lead to addiction, and emptiness and despair or death instead. But when we turn toward God, we turn toward those paths that result in an encounter with real, true love, paths of wholeheartedness, peace, justice-seeking, resistance, and purpose are the kinds of paths to love we see modeled in the ministry and teaching of Jesus The love of God is an immovable object, an unstoppable force, and not because it has power or prestige associated with it. Instead, it is the indefatigableness of God's love that comes from the way it is offered and that might best be described by using a word in Greek, kenosis. God's love is poured out, kenosis, into us. Christ's love was poured out as his blood was shed on the cross. Love that cannot be stopped is love that isn't trapped by fear or attachment. It is a love that is not hoarded, but rather poured out and overflowing because the unstoppable love of God has no end. Its power is in how it is given away. When we encounter Mary Magdalene at the tomb in John's account of the resurrection, we can recognize how John throughout the gospel has placed women at the forefront of revealing God's presence and ministry through Jesus Christ. A woman bore his body in her own. A woman raised him as his mother. A woman proclaimed him as the son of God in the account of raising Lazarus from the dead. And it is a woman at the tomb who is the first to proclaim the emptiness of that tomb, remained to mourn, and then rushed to preach the first Christian sermon after witnessing Christ alive, 
saying only one fragment we find, I have seen the Lord. What we can say for certain is that the kind of love Christ offers us isn't stopped by the likes of death or despair or attachment or greed or trauma or anything else in all creation. Christ's love for us finds us even when we are in the depths of grief, like Mary's when she discovered the empty tomb and watched her friends, Peter, and the beloved disciple rush to the tomb, shrug, and then walk away for the rest of their lives. The kind of love Christ offers is rugged and is as vivid in the midst of pain as it is in the throes of joy. The joy and power of the Easter story is how even the worst of human hate is shown not to measure up to the power of the love that raised Christ's body from the dead. And so, yes, we have found grace in the wilderness of this Lenten season, the wilderness of our false wanderings toward the false loves that coax us in our day-to-day is no more in the face of the everlasting love that God has for us. So be joyful. Be joyful this Easter, not only for the happiness that lies on the surface but also for the journey that brings us to this pinnacle of our story every year. Thanks be to God. Amen.